0: All right. Hey, church. Happy Sunday. So thankful uh, for your presence this morning in person, online. Uh, I love Sundays and doing Sundays together. So glad you're here. A couple announcements I want to make as well. Uh, This first one's for all the guys of the crossing. Uh, The summits. Uh, Unfortunately, um, because of a couple of snafus, uh, we cannot host the summit this year as a weekend event. So, uh, but we're still going to have it, and we're going to land it as a day event, one day event. Uh, we actually think that's going to allow more guys to participate. A one day event. So, on November the nineteenth, uh, starting at nine a.m., we are going to host the summit right here at the Crossing. Uh, in fact, you could actually do your QR code thing right there, and you can just one one option. Well, I'm coming, you know, to register for that. But uh, the design of this year's summit really is to uh, help provide and offer uh, some challenge and inspiration for all guys with regard to their own personal leadership. Uh, the second thing we want to do is is to allow uh, some deeper connections with some brothers in Christ. Uh, Two things that every Christ following man needs. And I want to encourage guys, hey, be here. It's going to be a great day. I hope you'll uh, indicate that you're coming and be here. Uh, it's going to be such a good thing, just a one-day event. And we think that's going to actually uh, allow more guys to participate in the three-day event. So uh, keep that in mind. Uh, also on November 12th, Uh, We, uh, the um, Seniors at the Crossing, is hosting a veterans breakfast to celebrate our veterans around here. Uh, If you're a veteran or family of veterans, or you just want to come and help celebrate uh, November 12th, there's actually a sign-up sheet at this desk back here that you can tell us you're coming, and we're hosting kind of a pitch-in breakfast as well, and you might be able to, you know, join us and bring something to participate in that, so just want to advise you about that. Our sermon series is called thirsty. Are you thirsty? Thirsty. We are. So thirsty. So thirsty. Um, The design of this series actually is to help answer three questions. The first question is, what are we continually thirsting for? What, What do you keep thirsting for? The second question is, what are you drinking? The third question is, is what you're drinking actually satisfying your thirst? Great questions. I like that first question. What do we keep thirsting for? What is it really that we keep longing for, thirsting for? I remember a couple of months ago... Um, It was a Saturday morning at men's huddle. We were talking about the subject of being thirsty. And I asked the guys that early morning, 7.30, uh, for men's huddle, I asked them, um, what do we keep thirsting for? What is it that you just find yourself always thirsting for? And I want to share some of the answers the guys provided uh, that morning. All right? Here they are. Uh, Love, relationship, affirmation. Acceptance, meaning, joy, and peace, significance, value, appreciation, connection, friendship, hope, healing, answers, energy, you know, etc. right? Those are pretty good answers for guys. 7.30, Saturday morning, right? And all of us, we are so thirsty. But here's the problem. Instead of running to the Lord for Him to provide, we keep running after the offerings of this world, which can never quench our thirst. But we keep running there. In fact, last Sunday, you remember, the text from last week was uh, from the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. Remember that? God speaking and says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the stream of living water, the spring of living water, and they have built their own cisterns, broken cisterns, cisterns that cannot even hold water. And so the illustration really is is this. uh, The Bible just indicates that you and I keep running from water the stream, the spring of fresh, flowing, living water, which is the Lord Himself, and we keep running to stagnant, bacteria-filled water from a cistern. And that's our drink of choice. That's crazy! That's so crazy. But, the good news is this, the Lord doesn't just let us die right there besides our, the broken cisterns that we keep drinking from. He doesn't let us just die there, all curled up, you know, you know fetal possession, you know, spiritually hydrated. No, he, he loves us so much, He sent His Son, Jesus, as living water. Amen? Today's Bible passage comes from John chapter 4. I gave you a heads up last week. Today would be from John chapter 4. And in our passage today, uh, we're going to find a woman involved in this conversation who is obviously thirsty. I mean, she is so thirsty. In fact, I want to suggest that she is spiritually dehydrated. Spiritually dehydrated. And in fact, at the beginning of the story, you you could describe this woman as lonely, withdrawn, and outcast. She five times divorced. You gotta get the indication that she's living an immoral lifestyle. Um, uh, she's indifferent. She's apathetic. She's she's religious, but she's not spiritual at all. And, and it's just so obvious. She's so thirsty. She's so thirsty. Let's listen to her story. John chapter four. Uh, is where the story comes, and I want to read uh, starting with verse 4. Here's her story. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria, really. He had to do it, right? And we're going to learn by the story, He went there only for her. He had to go through Samaria, so He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as He was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would have asked Him, and He would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? You know that made him smile. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as also his sons and livestock? And Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. Give me this water so that I don't have to, uh, won't get thirsty and have to keep coming to draw water. He told her, hey, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five of them. And the man you now have is not your husband. Uh, what you have said is quite true. Busted! Sir, the woman said, I can see you're a prophet. And then she says, our ancestors worshipped on the mountain. You you talk about changing the subject. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the the only place where we can worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and His worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that. The Messiah called Christ is coming, and when He comes, He will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I who am speaking to you, am he. Lord Jesus, bless the preaching of your word in this place. Amen? Amen. One of the things that I got to encounter uh, during September, during my month of sabbatical, was a sinus infection. That lasted about three and a half weeks. Now, I rarely get sick, and so for me to get a sinus effect, that, you know, I produce more mucus in September than I have the previous 54 years of my life. <sighs> it was a sinus infection that started here and then went quickly to my ear and clogged up my ear that, you know, just, you know, I experienced that for about two and a half weeks. Not fun not fun. It got so bad, I even tried acupuncture. Now, if, if you know me, I've been labeled with white coat syndrome, and I hate needles. So you know it was bad, right? One of the doctors that I consulted, um, I was just sitting there waiting, waiting for her to come in, and she comes in, and she looks at me, and she says, Mr. McGee, stick out your tongue. And I stuck out my tongue, and she goes, well, first of all, you're dehydrated. I'm like, it's that obvious? What? And she goes, yeah, you're dehydrated. And so here's the deal. Uh, For the next three days at least, hey, no more sodas, no more tea, no more coffees, right? Just nothing but water and lots of it. And so she suggested that my first step in healing would be plenty of water. That's pretty much what Jesus said to this woman at the well. Drink lots of water, uh, living water. Bas- that's basically what, what she said. Basically, Jesus took one look at this woman, and you know, saw she was spiritually dehydrated. Might Jesus look at you right now and conclude? that you're spiritually dehydrated? What would that look like? Again, a couple months ago when we were at Huddle with the guys uh, talking about this subject of being thirsty, um, I asked the guys, hey, what does spiritual uh, dehydration look like? What would you say? Uh, Look at their answers. These two are pretty good. Never satisfied, unfulfilled, discontent, angry, empty. Useless, anxious, restless, confused, weak, shame, desperate, depressed, arrogant, ignorant. That's a wonderful combination, isn't it? <laughs> Lost, lethargic, lazy, miserable, depleted. Yeah, uh, they, they were awake that day. They, they, they had some pretty good answers. And when you look at this woman at the beginning, yeah, there's some things up here to describe her. She was spiritually dehydrated. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't just let her die of thirst. He didn't just leave her alone in her spiritual dehydration. No, He offered her living water. He offered a living water. I, and I love His answers. In fact, I want to read to, uh, read to you again uh, verse 10. Jesus answered her, Hey, if you knew the gift of God and who, and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. Verse 13 says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to Him, Sir, give me this water. I love his answer. In fact, what was Jesus trying to teach this woman about living water? What was he trying to teach about living water? Well, first of all, it is a gift from God. Living water is a gift from God. Second, it, it only comes through Jesus. It only comes through Jesus. Third, it guarantees to quench your thirst. And fourth, When drinking living water, it'll actually produce a stream of living water coming out of you. That's pretty cool. It's a gift from God. It's only through Jesus. It promises to quench our thirst. And when drinking it, it will produce a a stream of living water out of us, ready to bless other people. And we're going to look more specifically at that one next week. So, how do you drink? Homework assignment I gave you last week. How do you drink? How do we drink this living water? Well, according to this story, Jesus simply says, come to me. You want living water? Come to me. Just come to me and ask for it. I'll give it. Come to me. But what does that look like for us? What does coming to Jesus look like? I want to suggest, just with lingering in this story, there's a couple of things I've learned about that. Uh, first of all, uh, coming to Jesus means drawing near to Him in worship. I thought it was interesting. She brought up the topic, and he went with it, and it's huge. Worship. In fact, I want to suggest to you that really, you can never really worship the Lord outside of His presence. And so the first thing about coming to Jesus in worship is drawing near into His presence, ready to worship Him. The second thing I learned in here about coming to Jesus is coming um, in confession. Confession is so huge. Coming in confession. Confessing the truth about Him and confessing the truth about me. In fact, that confession is going to be driven by coming to Him out of conviction. Conviction that He is the Messiah. Conviction that He is living water. And if you're convicted that He's the Messiah, then you're going to be coming actually to Him, drawing near to Him in submission, ready to say, yes, Lord. But what I thought was interesting, one more, uh, coming to Him in dependence of Him, coming to Him with Request, our prayers. When you pray to the Lord, you're acknowledging you need Him. You're relying on Him. And so coming and asking and asking. And anytime we encounter Jesus, as when we partake of this living water. A couple conclusions I wanted to share with you today, uh, just from my planting myself in this text. Uh, Number one, this is essential. This is essential. Drinking living water is essential for you to make it in eternal life. It's essential. And just as water is essential for the body, so living water is essential for your soul. This is the most important thing about you knowing that your soul drinks, and knowing that your soul craves spiritual living water. In fact, the Bible tells us that every one of us has been made in the image of God, and we're only going to be fueled by Him. It's essential. Nothing else is going to satisfy our thirst. Only Him. He's essential. So, Uh, Second conclusion I had is drink. This is the answer for all of life, drink, right? Uh, Stay thirsty, my friend, for living water. In fact, I think we can say it this way. It's all about eating and drinking and being merry. As long as you're eating the bread of life, John chapter 6, and drinking living water, you know, the water of life, John chapter 4, it's all about living water, Essential. So drink, and drink often. Just drink. And I, uh, uh, I also kind of concluded that it's a, it's the means to an end. Everything we ought to do in ministry, everything we do in ministry, ought to be a means to this end of drinking, living water. Everything. Our goal as a church and everything we do ought to be encouraging others to find and fill themselves with living water. Every, every time we preach, it ought to be about encouraging people to find and fill themselves with living water. A- anytime we cheat, uh, teach, find and fill yourself with living water. Every fellowship event ought to drive, you know, finding and filling ourselves with living water. Every uh, mission effort, fi- helping people find and fill themselves with living water. It's It's the goal. But how do you do it? Simple, really. When you look at the example of this woman and assume that on that day she was filled with living water and then step back and ask her how she did it. Here's how she did. It's really simple. She asked the Lord all of her questions and then listened to everything He he said. She just took all of her thirst to, the, to Jesus and then listened to everything he said. How do we do that? Take all of our requests to Jesus, all of our thirst to Jesus, and listen to what he says. Uh, we ought to be drinking this. And my greatest advice today is that you need a drinking plan. Sounds kind of weird, but you need a drinking plan. How are you going about drinking this living water? Hey, if you're not used to a daily, you know, drinking living water, can I suggest the Gospel of John and the book of Acts? The Gospel of John, the book of Acts. Start there. The Gospel of John, the book of Acts. It's so full, and you will be filled. You'll be filled. Way back in the 1970s, you'll remember. Muhammad Ali Muhammad Ali assumed that he was the greatest, like the greatest boxer who ever lived. He assumed that himself, he was the greatest, right? Um, Muhammad Ali, in his approach to fighting George Foreman, is when he came out with, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. His hands can't hit what his eyes can't see. Now you see me, now you don't. George thinks he sees me, but I bet he won't. Now that's not Longfellow, but that's pretty catchy. That's pretty good. On one occasion, he told a reporter, uh, he, he was like, I'm young, I'm handsome, I'm fast, I can't be beat. And then he came out with, and it is so hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Phew. He told that reporter, he said, hey, if you ever find yourself dreaming about beating me, you better wake up and apologize. <laughs> On another uh, uh, occasion, he said, I, you know, I ought to be a postage stamp. because That's the only way I'll ever be licked. Pretty good, I guess. Now, here's the thing. You could make an argument that Muhammad Ali <laughs> was the greatest boxer ever lived. You could make that argument. I mean, he was young. He was handsome. He was fast. He was athletic. He was charismatic. And you, and you, would, just, you would just assume a life like that would just end in total satisfaction, right? Right? One time, a sports reporter was invited to uh, Muhammad Ali's estate. And so he went. And he went to his estate and he got a tour. And toward the end of the tour, uh, Muhammad Ali led him to an old refurbished barn on the very back end of the property. And this old refurbished barn is where, you know, is what held all of uh, Muhammad Ali's memorabilia. It's just full. From floor to ceiling, uh, it was all—you know—was his trophies and plaques and pictures and shirts and all his awards. And that reporter said he went in there and he just was amazed. He just was gawking in amazement. One of the walls in the uh, barn um, uh, displayed every major magazine uh, uh, that showcased Muhammad Ali on the front cover. And it had been enlarged and put behind glass, and it was just there. And, and those reporters, they were just amazing to see. He said during his visit, Muhammad Ali went over and stood in front of the wall, just staring at the wall. And quickly, he got agitated by all the bird droppings on the glass. From the birds that made their home in the barn and obviously had zero respect for their hosts. And Muhammad Ali mumbled something under his breath. And then he just shuffled over to the doorway of the barn and he just stood there staring into space. The reporter said he walked over to Muhammad Ali and he said, Hey, I didn't catch that. Um, what did you mumble over by the pictures? And Muhammad Ali said, I had the world, and it was nothing. I had the world, and it was nothing. Jesus said, what does it profit a man or woman to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Friends, I want to remind you today that people all around us are dying of the thirst. They're so spiritually dehydrated. They're dying of the thirst. And so will we if we're not drinking living water. Amen? The Old Testament worship leader, David, said this in Psalm 42, "'As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O God.'" Uh, My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When can I go meet with God? And that's where we all need to be. Amen? Lord Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Lord, thank You for John chapter 4. Thank You for preserving this illustration of this woman who is so obviously spiritually dehydrated. And thank You for giving her living water. I pray you would use today's message maybe to pinpoint some places where we're spiritually dehydrated. And again, thank you for offering us living water. I pray this week, you will empower us through your spirit and your word to be drinking this living water, finding our thirst satisfied in you. Forgive us when we've been running to the world to quench our thirst. Lord, we love you. Again, thank you for your word in the name of Jesus. Amen.